You're listening to Let's Talk Cuyahoga, a podcast that explores county initiatives and pulls back the curtain to reveal the work and the people who are driving Cuyahoga County forward. This month, we ask the question, what kind of impact will a return to routine operations for Medicaid have on Cuyahoga County residents? I'm Don Calavini from the Communications Department, and joining me now to talk about the why, the impact on our county, and what's next, the Administrator of Cuyahoga County Department of Job and Family Services, Kevin Gowan, and the President and Executive Director of the Center for Community Solutions, John Corlett. Welcome to you both. Thank you. We're talking about a change that's happening because we're moving away from the coronavirus public health emergency. And when I say we, this is not a county decision. It's a federal decision that has to be administered ultimately by the county. And Kevin, I know this is something that you've been following very closely for months. Just like you to go over the highlights. How did we get here? So during the pandemic, the um uh, the Center for Medicaid and Medicare at the federal level um, made a decision to offer continuous enrollment for Medicaid. So anybody who was on Medicaid during the course of the pandemic, either before or enrolled during the pandemic, uh, could not be removed for any reason. Okay? There were three basic exceptions to that. If they passed away, if they moved out of the state of Ohio, or if they asked to be removed from the Medicaid rolls. Otherwise, uh, they remained on Medicaid. This is uh, unusual in that Medicaid is a means-tested benefit. It is normally based on your income level, whether or not you stay, uh, you you attain and retain your Medicaid uh, coverage. Um, so, what that practically meant for the citizens of Cuyahoga County is that the Medicaid rolls swelled. They went from 380,000 prior to the pandemic to roughly 460,000 people now are on Medicaid. That represents a third of the Cuyahoga County population. Uh, so, great news for people who um, need the medical insurance. Um, uh, and John can probably speak a little bit to this, but but insurance, uh, people covered by medical insurance nationwide during the pandemic increased significantly significantly as a result, largely of this move, move by Medicaid. Um, that is all going away, um, is the big thing right now. Uh, in December 23rd, the federal government, through the Appropriations Act, decided to divest the um, that provision from the pandemic health emergency and said it was to end uh, essentially in May. And so what we are now going through is that uh, the people who would normally have been due for April renewals in Medicaid, it's an annual recertification process, but the people who are due for April renewals uh, have to do them, which they've had to do all along, but now there's actually the penalty of actual removal from Medicaid if you don't renew. And that's a significant impact to the community. The reason why this coverage was kept in place, you know, was pretty simple. It was one to make sure people we didn't want to cut off people's health care in the middle of a pandemic. That didn't seem to make a lot of sense. Uh, and we also wanted people to have access to the vaccines and other things. Mm-hmm. And so, and it largely succeeded in that. Um, people had were able to maintain that health care access. I also think it's important to think about you know Medicaid plays a big role in our community in our economy. Uh, in the last year that we have data for, uh, there was about two point six billion dollars that came into Cuyahoga. County through Medicaid reimbursements uh, to healthcare providers. That is the largest source of funds, of any kind of funds, into this county from anywhere. Bigger than NASA, bigger than Medicare, um, may not be as big as Social Security, uh, but it's significant. So it, 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 it helps support the healthcare uh, economy, but the larger economy as well. 
And just in your experience, um, when people who don't have any kind of insurance or, you know, access to affordable health care all of a sudden have this benefit available to them, what does that mean to a person and a community? Oh, I think it means a lot. I mean, we have the experience here in Cuyahoga County. You know, we expanded Medicaid a year earlier than the rest of the state through the Metro Health Care Plus waiver. And, the you know, I remember back to that time because it was such a profound experience for people. I mean, we had people who had never had health insurance before until the expansion came along, or who were all of a sudden able to access prescription drugs or dental care, some of the things that Medicaid helps pay for. So it's, it's, it is hard to overestimate how important it is to have health care coverage to people and, and also for your mental health. You know, that is a big source of stress. You know, if people lose their health insurance, it, it, it will, uh, it'll show up in other ways, I think, in our community. So. Okay. Well, the um, state of Ohio ran an automated renewal process for Medicaid benefits um, starting in February of this year then, once they knew these changes were coming. And uh, those successfully approved for their benefits should have received a letter notifying them that their Medicaid benefits have been renewed. Those who were not renewed for whatever reason, and, and some of them may still be renewed, but they would have gotten a renewal packet and they needed to submit that by March 30th first. Otherwise, their Medicaid benefits um, may be discontinued effective May 1st. So the process has started. Again, this isn't happening to everyone impacted, you know, on March 31st. Um, it's it's a rolling renewal. And um, what is your advice um, for people who are going to be having to go through their renewal process this year? How can they best do that? And, and when is the best time? Prior to the pandemic, they had a passive renewal process, and the passive renewal process, just to very, very uh, simply uh, e- explain, the the state office will take everybody who's on Medicaid, who's due for renewal, and compare their um, uh, their income, but compare their eligibility, look at their eligibility through other databases that are available to the state. So if they can verify their income without having to ask the question, mm-hmm. they will do so. And if they can verify that income and it still is below the threshold so that they're still eligible for Medicaid, it simply auto-renews them. They don't have to do a thing. That's why it's called passive renewal. And so um, prior to the pandemic, it was about 10% of the population that would that would occur for. Right? During the pandemic, the state took a lot of effort, took a lot of steps, made a lot of effort, put a lot of good people working on this, and actually increased that to, to um, as high as 65 to 70%. Right now, it's around 50%. So 50% of the population that's due for renewal won't have to do a thing. It'll be passively renewed. It'll go through a database check, and they'll say, yes, you're still eligible. They'll receive a notice saying your Medicaid will continue for another year, um, and they don't have to do a thing. And that's great. Those people have already been notified uh, for the April renewals. Mm-hmm. Those notifications went out in early March. Through the other half of the population that does have to renew, it doesn't mean you don't qualify. It means that a database check didn't verify that. And so the other 50%, which is about for the April renewals, 10,000 people okay. uh, in Cuyahoga County alone, will need to complete the renewal packet. And there's a couple of things that I would say. Number one is make sure we have your address because it's been three years that we haven't had any penalty for complying with Medicaid requirements. Um, and there's a good chance that people um, haven't been in contact with us. So we have concerns that bad addresses are out there. It's a statewide, probably nationwide concern for bad addresses. Because those renewal um, requests were coming, uh, you could 
keep renewing, but um, if you didn't, there was no penalty exactly. for the last couple of years, That's right? absolutely correct. And people did renew, but a significant portion of the population didn't submit their paperwork. Right. So we have concerns around bad addresses. So that's number one. Uh, there's a Medicaid consumer hotline to call. Um, and just update your address. You can go to the self-service portal to update your address um, and uh, just let us know. Uh-huh. Um, the state's also done some efforts working with the managed care providers to see what the addresses they have. We're taking a lot of efforts, but we still know we're going to have some bad addresses uh-huh. out there. But assuming you get your renewal packet, um, take the time to complete it. Complete it as soon as possible. And the other thing is, and this seems a little simple, but complete the form. Answer every question. One of the biggest concerns we have talking to my staff is people will see income. They don't have income, so they leave it blank. If you leave a blank, we've got to send you a letter saying, what did you mean? Right. Okay, so tell us zero, that you have no income. If you don't have, you, if the answer to a question is no, don't leave a blank. Just say no. People need to understand you've got to verify income. You've got to verify um, anything that you say. So if you have, if you have pay, if you have Social Security, whatever it is, whatever your income is, attach verification. If we don't have that, we'll most likely have to reach out and contact you. The best ones in about... A quarter of them come in where they have attached everything. We've got the paycheck. We've got all the documentation we need, and we can approve that day. Um, but unfortunately, about 75% of them are, are, or so we're not going to have that. So the more documentation you can provide, the more likely we'll be able to approve without having to reach back out to you. John Corlett is with the Center for Community Solutions, where your work is trying to find answers to health, economic, and social issues. And this return to routine operations really touches on all of those um, with Medicaid. As you consider the upcoming changes, um, you know, the potential, what's your biggest concern? Well, I mean, I think our biggest concern is that that some people lose coverage who should lose coverage, who are still eligible. Um, But I think, you know, one of the things that, you know, Kevin was talking, I I think there's a role for the community in this, Um, particularly large healthcare providers like our health systems, our federally qualified health centers, our mental health centers, to to reach out to their patients, to their clients, and see, do you need help with that application? Can we help you? answer those questions. Uh, can we help you make copies of the documents that you need? I mean, to, so that we get more of those applications into the Job and Family Service Office that are complete. Uh, and so I think there's a role for the community to kind of help out uh, to make sure those applications go in. Because, you know, there are certain groups that are probably at higher risk, you know, in this uh, situation. I mean, you know, I, I would think uh, from past experience, you know, particularly people with behavioral health uh, challenges are often at higher risk of losing coverage. Kids are at higher risk of losing coverage. Sometimes, particularly if a parent loses coverage, they think their kids aren't eligible any longer and then don't respond at all, but their kids very well still may be eligible because in Ohio, you know, our eligibility is higher. And I, I do want to also reinforce what Kevin said about the passive renewal. You know, as a, sort of an advocate, um, that has been an advocacy goal probably for the past 30 years to improve that passive renewal process, to actually have the state use the information they already have in their possession to to determine eligibility. So I, that's a great accomplishment. And that will be even more important, you know, in years to come, because uh, that that percentage rate will probably go up. Uh, and that's, that's, a, that's a game changer, I think, uh, for this system and making sure people get coverage. And I guess the last thing I would say, you know, uh, when I was Medicaid director, most of the people who, um, a lot of the people who were uninsured were eligible for Medicaid. They just couldn't 
get themselves through all the hoops, you know, all the forms and stuff like that. So there's probably a lot of people who um, are will still be eligible uh, even after uh, this process. But we just need to, I think, help them, you know, get over the hump, get those forms filled out, correct their address, uh, because undoubtedly they have moved over the past three years. Um, and I think we'll do much better as a result. We're waiting to see uh, how the community reacts, what the impact is, how many people lose coverage. We've reached out to, we've, we've met with some of the hospital administrators and we'll continue to meet with them and support them in any way we can to make sure that, uh, that their patients retain coverage. Um, and we're putting together some uh, courses for um, some of the community provides, providers out there who assist people in, in completing Medicaid forms. Uh, it's been a while since people saw this as a priority, so we're uh, renewing training around this for the community. Fantastic. Kevin Gowan is the administrator of the Cuyahoga County Department of Job and Family Services, and John Corlett is the president and executive director of the Center for Community Solutions. Next up, we'll talk with a community partner who is helping local residents maneuver through the Medicaid renewal process. You're listening to Let's Talk Cuyahoga. The Metro Health Minority Men's Health Fair is a special event focused on building a stronger and healthier community. Men in Cuyahoga County are invited to receive over 30 health screenings and access to community resources. Register and attend at any one of the three Metro Health locations, Main Campus, Cleveland Heights, or Ohio City. All men, regardless of race, ethnicity, gender, or sexual orientation, are invited to come together, start a relationship with a Metro Health provider, and make a commitment to better health. Learn more at cuyahogacounty.us slash podcast. Welcome back to Let's Talk Cuyahoga. We've been discussing the return to routine operations for Medicaid and how to help Cuyahoga County residents who rely on Medicaid for their health care. Joining me now is Jason McMinn, a social work supervisor for HIV patients at Metro Health Medical Center. Thank you so much for coming in. Hi, thank you. Thanks for having me. My first question is because we've been talking about kind of the nuts and bolts of of this return to routine operations. Um, How much is this a concern for the folks that you work with? This um, is a big concern of the folks that I work with. Um, At Metro Health, I'm in the HIV clinic. Uh, Our clinic sees about 1,800 patients. Um, and I would say I, sh- I would say that a good portion of them are on Medicaid. Um, and the reason that I want to you know mention being in the HIV clinic is because our patients rely on medication. And so Medicaid having that as their insurer is immensely important to them. Um, their medication is their lifeline. And so they are in touch and in tune with being on Medicaid uh, and with the importance of um, eligibility, renewals, and you know making sure that they do what they need to do to stay on the program so that they have access to their medication. Um, so this has been a big topic. I think that um, the county has done a good job in promoting um, that this is coming. Uh, I think that I've seen it on the news before. Um, and so patients know that this is on the horizon and that there's action that they need to take. Um, not needing to renew in several years has been very easy and very nice. That was um, my next question. Yeah, I wanted to, to take it back a little bit because it, it has been an easier process for a lot of patients and probably some patients were able to qualify for things that they hadn't been able to prior to that. Absolutely true. Um, And, uh, you know, 
I think that before the COVID pandemic, they were groomed to know how important this was. And then they were able to let their guards down a little bit so that they weren't looking for those renewal packets or worried about deadlines and timeframes and, and getting in all the, the information that they needed to to stay eligible for the program. So it was, and as a social worker, it was really nice for us too. We didn't lose people. Um, Patients who may have forgotten to turn in renewal packets and were cut off, then we're scrambling to try and get them medication, trying to get them in to see the doctor and, and getting the health care that they need. Um, so that becomes a struggle. So it's been a little bit of a vacation the last couple of years in that aspect. What has the process been like? Because now those first um, automatic renewals have have been processed, but I'm sure that, that there were some people who received a renewal packet and now have to make sure that they've got everything buttoned up, right? I've had my hands on a dozen or so renewal packets. Um, so patients will get them in the mail and they'll bring them to us. They want to make sure that they're doing the renewal packet exactly like it's supposed to be done. They want to dot all their I's and cross all the T's uh, to make sure that coverage isn't compromised. So there's, you know, just a little bit of nerves and anxiety that the paperwork's going to get processed and that their benefits are, are going to start again. Um, and, you know, I feel like over the past year, patients have asked, when is this going to end? Because I know that I'm going to need to do my paperwork very soon. So there have been a lot of people that have been on top of this, um, that it's been in the back of their mind, when do I have to do this again? Um, and so now, you know, the time is here. And again, I think that the um, county has done a pretty good job at um, warning people and the packets have been going out and people have been bringing them to me and we've been turning them in. Well, the fact that they got their renewal packet is a huge part of the process because yes. that means the address um, that's on record is is correct. Um, you know, but for some other people, I think you know as we move through this process because it isn't you know all at once. It's um, as your renewal comes up, you're going to be notified or find out, and then there will be those cases where all of a sudden somebody doesn't realize that their uh, benefits have run out or you know, been terminated and they still have some work to do. So uh, as a social worker, how do you prepare for that kind of panic? Yeah. Well, and you said uh, important things there as far as their address and phone numbers being correct, because there is a, a good deal of people who will change addresses. Their um, housing is not stable. Um, phone numbers change very often. So I I don't know that that's always on people's radars is to let the county know right away their new address and phone number when, you know, if their lives are in chaos and their housing's not stable, not the first thing that they think about. So I do anticipate a lot of that, um, a lot of people learning that they no longer have benefits. Um, and, yeah, I, you know, I think there will be some cases that we'll lose a little bit of sleep over. Um, fortunately, the Ryan White program has good resources. Um, we are very fortunate among all the disease states at the hospital. I mean, we have resources that come from the feds and, and then the state and the county and the city. Um, so as long as patients come to us right away, we'll be able to help them maintain um, their medication and, and their adherence. Um, they're, the ones that I'll lose sleep over are the ones that lose their coverage and they look at that as a, a, a reason to stop 
participating in their health care. One more hoop I have to, you know, jump through. Another hurdle that I have to climb. And and there are some people who, you know, look at that as uh, I'm going to give up. Um, and so those are the people that will really have to uh, outreach and make sure that we can get them in um, so that we can get them back on track with renewing their Medicaid benefits. When you went into your profession, did you have any idea the complicated forms that you were going to have to learn to be an expert on filling out? I mean, that's got to be uh, um, a challenge. No, <laughs> I did not. Uh, I was not prepared in school. Um, I think a lot of, you know, uh, there are a lot of assumptions about what social workers know. I think that a lot of my docs will come and say, think that I have all the formularies memorized for all the different HMOs or, um, you know, I know what is covered and what is not covered. It's not. I don't know, but I will research it. And so that's a big piece of, of what social work is. And so getting these forms, and anytime the county changes the forms or any um, any organization changes their forms, it's just, you know, um, familiarizing yourself with those forms. And then the more you do it, like I said, we have 1,800 patients in clinic. I mean, I could do some of them in my sleep. So If somebody has a question, um, wants to know more information, and, and they come to you, what are the first couple of things that you talk about? Yeah, so I if they have paperwork, we read through the paperwork. And it's a line by line because I you know, there's some confusion with some of the forms and, and some of the way that the letters read. Um who is um covered, who is not covered, um and why they're ineligible or or things of that nature. Um if they don't have paperwork, it's sitting down with them and calling. Um, the one eight four four number, uh, and then just trying to get answers that way. Uh, we will create online accounts for people. We'll do online applications. Um, I was so familiar with the paper applications, and then the online uh, benefits.ohio.gov came out, uh, and so now I know that very well. Um, Passwords, email addresses, that can be difficult for some patients. So it's really a whole mix of things. It's not just a one-size-fits-all with any patient that comes in. It's, it's exploring what they know, what information they've received, and then, and then just trying to go from there, whether it be the phone call, the email. Um, because I, you know, I feel like the county has given us some good contacts um, that we can email for uh, advice or assistance on a case, you know, or creating um, the online account. We'll email in the renewal applications so I can show the patients that I've, you know, sent it in uh, by email, which is that's been a huge help. Uh, or fax, or you know, they'll maybe feel comfortable themselves going to one of the drop boxes and and taking it in themselves. But there is there's a lot of anxiety, and and like I said before, um, it, in this disease state, we are um, preaching that medications daily is what is going to help um, enhance um, your life, and so. Any threat to that and, and Medicaid, um, you know, termination is, is definitely a threat to that. There's a lot of anxiety for people. And I think also um, with the renewal applications starting um, April 1st and, you know, a couple months ago, people started getting them. But the people that aren't due yet, they're also nervous. You know, when am I going to get mine? When am I going to get mine? Um, 
um, so there, yeah, so there, there are going to be some patients that are going to be anxious for many more months until their renewal paper. Right. Comes if they in. don't roll out till November, it's going to be a couple of months. Um, but I guess you could spin it that, you know, you'll have, by then you'll have learned so much, uh, you know, so far with, you know, it's very early, but, um, have you had anything come up that's surprising or, um, something that you would have liked to have done differently or no honestly I have nothing yet okay, I have good. not seen a renewal an automatic renewal letter yet um, mm. so it seems like um, I'm sure many of them have gone out and my patients have understood them and and they haven't felt the need to you know let me know that's good news uh, so that's good news yeah <laughs> so uh, no news is good news for those folks and then the ones that are getting the renewal packs are coming in and and wanting assistance but yeah nothing surprising so far knock on wood Great. I'm speaking with Jason McMinn, a social work supervisor for HIV patients at Metro Health Medical Center. You can find out more about the return to routine operations for Medicaid and resources to help you navigate the process by visiting cuyahogacounty.us slash podcast. Let's Talk Cuyahoga is a podcast that explores Cuyahoga County initiatives and the people who make them happen. It's produced by the Cuyahoga County Multimedia and Communications teams with special collaboration collaboration for this episode from Aida Adiakis, Lauren Jensen, and Lester Holmes from Cuyahoga County Health and Human Services. Please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you won't miss our next episode. If you have any questions or comments about this podcast, or maybe a topic you'd like us to take on in a future episode, email communications at cuyahogacounty.us. Let's talk Cuyahoga.